Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS Digital Network. And I am so excited today because we are going to be talking with Dr. David Moffat, who is a dentist from Australia. And I know what you're thinking. What am I going to learn today from a dentist in Australia? But let me tell you, you will learn one heck of a lot because he is the creator of something he calls the ultimate patient experience. And you could substitute that word patient for customer, client, guest, member, anybody that you do business with. Now, the ultimate patient experience, or UPE as Dr. Moffat likes to call it, is a simple set of very specific common sense patient service steps. Now, I talk about common sense customer service, and the reason I call it common sense is because it absolutely is, but unfortunately, it's not always so common. But the ones that practice this common sense and embrace it do extremely well. And that's exactly what dentists around the world are, are doing. They're using uh, Dr. David Moffat's formula for patient success by this UPE, this ultimate patient experience. All over the world, they are creating unique experiences for their patients, and their businesses or practices are dramatically enhanced as a result. Recently, uh, a book was written uh, by David, and that book, and it's a long title, I hope I get this right, it is How to Build uh, the Ultimate... Uh, Oh, gosh, I'm going how to build the dental practice of your dreams. That's what it is. How to build the dental practice of your dreams without killing yourself in less than 60 days. Now, I'm thinking if I could build a dental practice in less than 60 days, I probably got into the wrong business. But I actually think it takes a little bit longer than that. I think you have to go to school for a long time to become a dentist. So, David, welcome to the show, Amazing Business Radio. And isn't that right? You have to go to school for a while before you can become a dentist. Chip, uh, <laughs> glad to be here, and and thank you for having me. And yes, that's right. In Australia, it's, it's something like six or seven years, and it's much the same over here in the U.S. Right. So six or seven years, you go to dentist, dentistry school or medical school, then you come out, you start your business, and you're telling me that in less than sixty days, I can start to build the dental practice of my dreams. Is that right? I'm, I'm telling you that, Chip, because I made the mistakes in the early days with my dental practice. And in my book, I reveal those mistakes and I reveal what to do and what not to do so that you can set your business right right from the start and avoid making those mistakes. And probably the biggest mistake I made in, uh, in starting my business was trying to think of my business like a dentist instead of thinking about my business as my customers are seeing my business. So when I look at my business from the patient's point of view, it's a completely different business. Right. And so I think what you just said is crucial for everybody listening, because I know we probably have a very small percentage of people listening to this show that are actually dentists. But what you just did is you bridged dentistry to business. You even used the word business. You said, when I started my business, and then you said, I want to look at this from the patient's point of view, just as we need to be thinking about our customers or clients or whatever we want to call them and looking at it from their point of view. You know, I always joke, you want to walk a mile in your customer's shoes. And the reason is, is because once you're a mile away, they can't hear what you're going to say about them. 
<laughs> that's, that's that's the that's the truth. No, I, I'm that, just kidding about that. But <laughs> but no, you do. You look at it from the other other perspective. Well, before we get into this, let's do a quick little background on you. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. You you're uh, you've got this great accent. You're from Australia. I'm over here in yes. the U.S. And by the way, when I was in Australia, they loved my accent, which is pretty cool. Yes, well, I'm, I'm visiting the U.S. at the moment, but yeah, I'm from Sydney, Australia. I was uh, born, uh, I like to say I was made in Australia, but I was born overseas, lived my first two years in Southeast Asia. My dad was in the military, uh, but from then on, I've lived in Australia all my life. You know, I, I still call Australia home, Sydney is home, but I do business with, with dental officers in in the U.S. as well as in, in Australia, and my point is that um, I guess, Shep, you know, my business is is customer service, is service, is serving my, my customers, and dentistry is just my vehicle for providing that service. And, uh, you know, I, I really am in the customer business, not in the dental business. And, uh, and that's, you know, when people came to see me at the dentist, they would say to people in my office, this is like no other business I've ever, ever been to, let alone no other dentist I've ever been to. You guys are just so nice. And that's, that's what we were all about, is just wowing our customers. All right, so there is a huge lesson and a huge takeaway. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It, all, all that, whatever you sell, it's just a vehicle to make a living. Uh, if you're a dentist, it's a vehicle to be in, in, in a business. If you're selling cars, it, that is a vehicle. But actually, the product itself is just a vehicle. It's a means to an end. The reality is, in order for that business to work, you have to have a customer. And again, whether you call, them, call that customer a patient or a customer, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and when your customers are saying, wow, this is really like no business I've ever been in, let alone it being a dental practice, I think that speaks volumes because that's what we're trying to do. When, when we create amazing customer service, what I, when clients say, what do you do for a living, Shep? My primary uh, responsibility is to help my clients achieve simply this. When their customers walk out of their business, we want that customer to go, wow, that was a great place to do business. That was a great place to, you know, do whatever or buy whatever it is that I'm buying. So how did you determine that it was important to uh, create this ultimate patient experience? Because I'm going to bet there wasn't a class in dental school that talked about this. No, no there, there wasn't. There wasn't at all, Shep. And I guess I learned about it by, by just analyzing what was going wrong in my business. And that was that patients were really uh, positive in the treatment room and really you know, thankful and gracious of, of what we did. But then somewhere between leaving the treatment room and leaving my office, they were, they were not making more appointments. And we finally worked out that we had, we had a, uh, a very tough uh, lady working on the front desk who was rubbing our patients up the wrong way as they were leaving. And so you know, we, we, we talked to her about about whether she could change but in the end we had to change the person there and once we did and changed her for a, a more customer oriented person our business just went forward in leaps and bounds so i realized then that it really didn't matter how good a dentist i was i really relied on having the right people on my team to make sure that the that the patients the customers experienced total harmony you know total service all the time and and so i had to 
step back from being a dentist and look at it like a business and go through what was the what was the patient what was the customer experiencing and work out at each stage what we did and what we could do at that stage to make that a really powerful wow experience for those those customers so uh, you said something that's really crucial there you said it really didn't matter really how good of a dentist you were or not and i i'll I'm going to argue with you for just, and I know what you mean by that, but just for clarification purposes, table stakes is that you are a decent dentist, that you know what to do, uh, you've gone through school, you understand it, you're up to speed on the latest and greatest methods and whatever uh, breakthroughs there have been in dentistry, just because that is your business. So we're going to make the assumption that you've got the talent. Uh, whether you're the very, very best in the world at it may not make a difference. But what you're telling us, and just like any business, and I I just worked with the law firm, and uh, that law firm basically said, our clients assume that we understand the law. What's going and, and if you look at all the different law firms that they compete with for any given project with one of their clients, they all basically understand the law. The question is, how does that client feel? What's that relationship? And again, doesn't matter whether it's dentistry, the legal profession, whether you're selling cars, whether you're selling groceries, whether you're going B to B or B to C. The focus is on the customer because it will be assumed that you're good at what you do. That's table stakes. Yeah, that's the truth, Chip. It, the, the general population make uh, the assumption that all dentists uh, are skillful and can, and can do dentistry well. And they also assume that all dental officers you know, keep the place clean up to the standards required and can file their insurance. So really the only way of differentiating one office from another is how that, that dental office makes their customers feel when they come and and that's what people tell their friends that's they they say you go here these people are just so nice they did this they do that and of course their friends say my dentist doesn't do that and that's where you make your differential right that's what that's what it is because business is basically today a commodity Um, i just worked with a a group of auto dealers and i said look you guys sell vehicles and you sell the same auto autos and trucks that the dealership down the street sells. If they're, if you're looking for, at the same brand, obviously different brands, different reasons, but there are other BMW dealerships. There are other Ford or General Motors dealerships where you can buy the same cars. You can go on the internet and you can price these out. So when the customer walks into the auto dealership, they say, this is what I want to pay for a car. Are you going to sell it to me? It's a commodity. And almost all businesses are becoming commodities until you differentiate the commodity, if you will, with the level of service, the value that you provide. So let's talk about what you specifically do. I mean, I think everybody's been to a dentist. Tell us what we would experience if we went to visit you. What would be different? Well, Chef, it it even begins before the visit with us because in, in the old days when I graduated, you know, over 30 years ago, you chose your dentist by what his name looked like on, you know, in the, and sounded like in a list in the yellow pages. That was it. There was no advertising, you know, or you, or you saw a building, you saw a, a shiny brass plate. That was it. But today, you know, 95% of the people, when they call the dental office, have done their homework 
they've, uh, they've, they've looked at, at the website, they've looked at material, they know that this dentist is the one they want from the information that they've, they've, uh, they've researched. And so when, when the phone rings, we've got to look at it as being, this is somebody with a dental problem who is ready for our services and we need to make sure that, that we live up to their expectation. And so I, I've got to train my, my, my team to appreciate how much homework the, the person has done and that when that phone rings, that's a customer already. They've already decided they wanted to be a customer. You know, they, they haven't made a list of five dentists. They've, they've, they rung us because we're the best or they didn't get the answer from the first dentist and we're the next one that, that they're choosing. But they want us to be their dentist. And so it begins right there. But more importantly, we've got to make sure that everything we do is a positive experience for, for our clients. It's said in the correct way. It's said not with jargon or, or technical terms, but we've got to make sure that, that we embrace the customer's thoughts and think of, of what, the, what the patient is thinking and, and really make it an experience. Make it like a visit to a spa instead of like a, like a visit to a, to a an, you know, emergency ward. It's really got to be something different. Right. You know, I don't want to be thrown in the chair and then just have you work on me and send me out. I don't want to make it, I don't want to feel like it's a factory. Uh, I want to, you know, if you can pamper me. And by the way, do you charge more than other dentists for this higher level of service or are you still competitive price wise? Well, Chef, what I found was that as, as, as business um, grew because of the service, we were able to maintain our prices up there with uh, inflationary effects and, and keep uh, regularly, gently increasing our, our, our prices, where a lot of dentists you know, fall behind and go two, three, four years without a price increase and actually start undercharging and devaluing their services. So you know, in my area, which was a, a fairly average part of, uh, of Sydney, we were able to be charging fees up there with the better areas of Sydney and, and keep the customers purely because the people saw the value in what they were getting. All right, so the value allows you to charge a little bit more. We are talking with David Moffat, who is from Australia. He is a dentist that has figured out that his dental practice is not a dental practice, but a business. And it's not just about dentistry. It's about the patient, the customer. We're going to be right back in just a moment. So don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Dr. David Moffat, who is from Australia. He's a dentist. He's figured it out. It's not just a dental practice. It's a business. And right before the break, we talked about how he has been able to charge a little bit more uh, year after year. He, he raises his prices based on inflationary needs, but also based on the value. And I think that's a real important concept that some of the best companies out there, I think they're competitively priced, but they're not the lowest price. And the reason people come back to them again and again, and they're loyal, isn't because of the price. If it was just because of the price, um, 
people who are loyal to price will switch to anyone who has the lowest price. But people that are loyal to the business because of the value that they deliver will tolerate price. Price becomes much less relevant. So, David, uh, are you the highest price dentist in your area? In my area, Ship, I, I certainly am. And, uh, and not just, you know, I, I was probably somewhere between 30 and 50% higher than my neighbors, you know, for, for, for fillings and, and crowns and, and the premium, the premium dentistry. That's substantial. And, and, but yet we had very little price resistance from our regular customers. And, and in fact, you know, my, my receptionist would always say, you know, would you like me, and this is one of the techniques we used, you know, she would, she would say, you know, now would you like me to go over the fees for your next visit? And more than half the time the patients would say, it's okay, whatever it is. And that's because they knew that they were getting exceptional service, quality, and, and, and that was their value. But more importantly, just on that, you know, Again, not offending the patient by saying now, you know, not, not, not saying to them, now, let me go over what you're going to have to pay next time because that insults them if they, they already have you know, bought the product in, in their mind. You know, that, that they know that they can afford it and whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. And so by asking it in that way, would you like me to go over the fees for next time, it allows them to say, that's fine. So it just, again, using, as we said before, using the right verbiage as opposed to what we think is right, but make sure that it's very, very comfortable for the customer. I like that. So I would say that you would call that scripted. However, I, I like to think there's certain phrases that are tightly, tightly scripted, but you surround them with your own personality. Um, you walk into an Ace Hardware store, and if anybody's been listening to our show, they know that... I'm a big fan of Ace Hardware. wrote about them in my last book. And they immediately greet you. They smile at you. They wish you welcome into their store. And then they ask you a question. And if you go to various Ace stores around the world, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hear it worded exactly the same way, which is, what can I help you find today? And it's a script. It's a one-sentence long script, just a few words, but it's surrounded with your own personality. And I think that's what you're doing. So you're careful about the words that you use, and you've probably analyzed at certain points in the process that the patient goes through when to use those scripted phrases or words. Exactly, exactly, Chef, and I really like that, that way that ACE has worked out what sounds best for for them and their, their customers in their in their hardware stores. We said the same thing. You walk into a dental office, you walk into a hair salon, and the first thing they'll say is, uh, won't be too long, just take a seat. It's said repetitively at every office, at every salon that you go into. And we, 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 we just uh, changed that and simply pointed to a chair in our lounge and said, make yourself comfortable and began with that. You know, after we obviously welcome them, but instead of saying, just take a seat, we, we point to the lounge and say, make yourself comfortable, and I'll go and let Dr. Moffat know that you're here. And I'm going to bet that the chair that you point them to isn't a wooden chair that you bought at some uh, inexpensive office supply store. Oh, no. We, our, we like to think that our client lounge was, in fact, very much like our, our lounge room at, at our home. You know that it was comfortable with a with a nice coffee table, uh, coffee table books on it. You know, not tatty magazines. You know, subdued lighting. 
relaxed and 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 a friendly place to be, but certainly not bench chairs or you know like um, chairs in a railway station. Uh, didn't look like that at all. Right, and and I think uh, you just you nailed it when you said the lounge. It's not the patient waiting room. It's the lounge, and the lounge has a whole different feel to it, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Words, I think, are important. Now, words aren't going to change a culture uh, because if you say, hey, go sit in the lounge and there's a wooden bench <laughs> like at a train station, it's, <laughs> it's incongruent. But, but uh, you know, imagine that you're using the right words and the right terminology and just changing them a little because that's what it is. It's a lounge. I love that. So let's talk about where you're scripting and where you're using the right phrases, not specifically what those phrases are, but I want to get to a point that I think you've probably done. You've probably analyzed every touch point, which are the interactions that you have with your customers or your patients. You probably analyze what those are. Have you created that customer journey map for yes, the, we. the typical? Yes, oh, we. good. Tell me about that and how you came up with that, and, and uh, let's well, talk a little bit about that. Well, I guess... Um I guess I knew, Shep, that I was doing something right, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And I was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I was traveling four times a year to the U.S. to, to Chicago to attend a, a dental mastermind group. And at one of those meetings, uh, the, the, you know, the, the facilitator of the group would, uh, at every meeting, he would bring in someone non-dental to talk. And at one, and I, I distinctly remember this one, he brought in a customer service uh, advisor from uh, Cleveland, John DeJulius, who you know. Yep, John's and, a great friend of mine. And uh, it, was, it, it was a light bulb moment for me because he, uh, he, he, he provided the glue, he provided the, the, the missing piece to my puzzle. And I can remember at the end of that meeting, you know, buying his book, and and calling my wife and saying, you know, this this is the answer. This is the thing that we've missed. We've been doing it, but we didn't know what we were doing and how. And he had the the system. And um, and and in in short, you know, he he said that you've got to analyze the customer experience cycle. You know, map it out. What does the all the stages that the customer goes through? And so we did that for. Dentistry, and unfortunately, most dentists just believe that it's arrive, drill, pay, go. You know, four steps, or maybe even just drill and pay. And 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 but we analysed it down and nutted it down that there are there are there are really three cycles, and in each of those cycles, there's about fifteen to nineteen steps, and the dentist is really only responsible for about three of them. And that then puts the the onus back on the team to say. Hey, it's not about the dentist. It's about us as well. We're integral in the service experience that the customer has. And so then, you know, through that we broke down, you know, each of the steps that that the that the customer has as they as they as they enter the door or even before they call and until they leave. And then we looked at, you know, how can we go above and beyond? What are our standard operating procedures? What are our our exceptional things that we do that other that on a regular basis that other dentists don't do, and also what are the things that we could do wrong, and how do we handle those defects if they come up as well? Analyzing and, like you said, working out what verbiage works best, what verbiage doesn't. One great example: we would have uh, we would have somebody from the front come down to the treatment room and let us know 
that the uh, that the next patient had arrived. Now, technology has created that that can be done by computers now, but I banned that process on the computer because I wanted to know, I wanted I wanted the patient in my chair not to feel like they were going to be rushed out, but I wanted them to hear happy voices speaking politely to each other. And so we scripted the girl coming from the front to, 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 to let me know, and she would come in and she would go, excuse me, Dr. Moffat, and then pause, and then she would say, just to let you know that Mrs. Smith has arrived for her 11 o'clock appointment with you. And, and, and so that then lets the patient in the chair know that I'm not going to hurry up and, and, and rush her, her job. But also there was a, a thing, you know, if Mrs. Smith arrived early, we found that our girl was saying, initially she was saying, and she knows she's early. Well, that to me was like a negative thing the patient in the chair. It was kind of like saying, you know, they don't want them to come early. So we we changed the wordage there and said, Mrs. Smith's here for her 11 o'clock appointment and I thanked her for coming in early. Ah, that's and, very nice. It's a little and, semantical twist, a touch. Yeah, and so my patient in the chair thinks they want you to come in early. They appreciate it and they thank you. And so next time that patient will come early because if that patient comes in late, they could throw it off for everyone else. Exactly, but you don't want you don't want your patients even turning up on the minute. You want them turning up ten, fifteen minutes early, just in case you're running early. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned uh, the the different cycles. You mentioned that there's these fifteen points, and the goal is you and analyze it. I like I like to call it a chain of events that takes place, and if there's a weak link within the chain. That's really where your potential problem is. And you really only are as strong, or your chain is as strong as the weakest link. You also mentioned that there were opportunities to go above and beyond, to give that patient or that customer the experience that they might not get somewhere else. Can you give me some examples of what that would be? Well, we, we, we looked at each, each situation, uh, Shep, and I guess, you know, one, one of the simple things which I... I I started doing 20 years ago was providing warm hot towels warm towels at the end of the appointment for patients to wipe their faces down with as opposed to just giving them nothing or giving them you know a dry scratchy tissue to, to wipe their faces with and and you know it's like flying first class it's like uh, going to a fancy restaurant where they bring these out, the patients really love them. And it was just a simple thing. You know, we were able to source them at an inexpensive uh, price. We, we popped a, you know, we bought small microwave ovens and, and popped one of those into each treatment room. And as the chair's coming up at the end of the appointment, you know, 10 seconds in that oven and there's a nice steamy warm towel for them to just get themselves oriented before, you know, the rinse before right. everything happens and and that was just one thing simple in terms of going above and beyond but above and beyond is is, is you know giving people um you know it's sometimes we had elderly patients who it was difficult for them to come in we'd go and pick them up and bring them down yeah. Wow. So you pick them up. Uh, that's great. You know, essentially what you're doing is you're taking a look at other businesses and what they do that impresses you, and you're bringing it in to your business. We are talking with Dr. David Moffat. He is an amazing dentist and businessman from Australia, giving us all kinds of great ideas that we can use in our own businesses. 
and you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We're going to take a really short break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Welcome back. Shep Hyken here. We're with Dr. David Moffat. We've been talking about great service, amazing customer service, going above and beyond. Uh, David, you just mentioned you like to give hot towels, like it's a first-class uh, airline trip or maybe a fancy restaurant. I just recently uh, worked with a group of dentists, and one of the dentists had a great idea. One, we did a little exercise. I called it a brainstorm. I said, what do you do that you think's different than other dentists do. And by the way, you mentioned that you'll pick up the elderly patients. uh, And one of the dentists said, yes, uh, we made a contract with a car service to arrange to have our patients picked up and dropped off for the longer uh, treatments where they might have to go under and and use some type of anesthesia. Uh, And then another dentist said, well, what we did is we made a deal with a car service that actually has limousines. And uh, I guess he was in a college town, and he says, we actually go and we send a limousine to pick up the kid, the student, and bring them to the office and back, and the kids are, like, blown away. And I think that's almost a marketing ploy, not just a customer service thing. But the other one that I loved was that sometimes these business people, the only time they can uh, come in is during lunch. And this one dentist says, come in during lunch and as you leave we're going to order you lunch and have it delivered to your office so it's waiting for you when you come back i think that's a pretty cool idea i, I think that's 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 exceptional chef and and i agree totally and sometimes sometimes i think one of the things that we started doing was looking at these opportunities of doing that sometimes the people are happy just for you to offer to do that without actually even accepting the offer yeah they know that it's there you can ask them if they want it and they can they have the right to turn it down but knowing that you've made the offer i think is is sometimes just enough yeah we i learned that with um and i called the the phrase offer the offer and and you know the deal is that the, the offering is more than actually what you do offer and and i did it with um with patients who had you know, a, a relief of a painful experience. And I knew that you know, 99% of the time, those people would be out of pain. But as they left my treatment room, I would say, look, you know, this has been a, a, an important visit. We're relieving pain. If you've got any questions at all between now and next time I see you, here's my, pri- my private personal business card with my private email and my, my private cell phone number. And it's a different card. It looks exactly like my practice card, but it's different because it has those numbers on it. And I get it out of a, a, a off the shelf in the treatment room, and I say, if you need to contact me at all, feel free to contact me. Now, I may be on the golf course, so it might be a, a couple of hours before I get back to you, but I will get back to you. And, of course, as I said, 99% of the time they never do. But guess what they do? They go back to their office where they work, and they go, I've got the dentist's private number. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. And, you know, you're right. I think that 99% of the time, they're not going to call you. But the fact that they do, that is a layer of confidence that you've put on. And uh, I wonder how many other dentists are willing to give out their personal cell phone number. Not many. You know, when you go to your, your, your lawyer, or when you go to your, your financial advisor or your accountant, if they're in one of these tall buildings, what I found was that 
when I was seeing these business professionals, at the end of my appointment, they would physically walk me to the lift, to the elevator, and press the button for me. Now, I'm capable of doing that myself, finding my way out of the building. It's the way I came in. But they were doing that. And I thought, well, we don't do that in our dental office. So I would make sure that my, 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 my front desk people would at least offer the offer. You know, can I walk you to the lift? We, we were up on the third floor in our building. And again, just by offering, you know, patients would go, it's fine. It's, a, it's okay. But they, they would stand up and, and say that, you know, and, and, and the fact of offering was far more important than, than just sitting there and saying, see you next time. So you're calling it offer to offer or offer the offer? Offer the offer. Offer the offer. Now, the other lesson is, once again, I almost feel like I'm repeating this, but I think it's important. You took something from another business, from another industry completely. Recognize, and everybody needs to recognize, that the competitors that we have in our industry are no longer what we would consider our true competitors. We are now compared to other businesses, not just the people that do the same business that we do. So you may be at a restaurant the night before you come and visit me in, in the dental office, and you received unbelievable, amazing customer service at that restaurant. You go to the dental office, and this is what you're thinking. If it's not a great experience, boy, why can't they be more like the restaurant that I was just at? And that's what people do. And, and, and it gets a little bit more important when you're dealing at a business-to-business level, because at that point, uh, you know, people know what good customer service is. They're, they're educated. They hear advertisements that our company just won, you know, seven years in a, a row, the J.D. Power Award of Excellence when it comes to taking care of customers. Well, you know what? If I do business with you, you better prove it to me. Because I am now going to compare you to every other JD award-winning uh, company that I know about, based on the fact that they all advertise. So uh, you know, it, it's like I want that level of service, and we can all learn from our competitors. Go to a, a non-industry-related business and say, "What are they doing for their customers?" And could I do that for my customer as well? We did, we did that, Chef. And, and interesting, you mentioned restaurants. You know. The, the the good restaurants, the really good restaurants, the you know the the wait staff have a map of the of the table. They know who's there. They know who's who's you know who are the guests and who are who are the people who said let's go to this restaurant. You know they know who are the regulars. They know whose birthday it is, what the celebration might be. They know that. Now I took that principle and said, how can I use that in my dental office? And simply. We made a map of our client lounge, and because our lounge is a lounge, and it's not, a, you know, a, a railway carriage, or a, you know, there there are only a small number of chairs. We then numbered our chairs mentally, and so when Mrs. Smith arrives for her appointment, we then tell Mrs. Smith to make herself comfortable, and we make a, a note as to which chair Mrs. Smith's in, what she's wearing, and we, you know, our receptionist will then walk down the back and, and let the dental assistant know and say, Mrs. Smith's here for her appointment. She's in seat number two. She's wearing a red cardigan. And so when it's time for Mrs. Smith's appointment, the dental assistant comes out and instead of standing in the doorway and calling out Mrs. Smith like a cattle call, like most dental officers do, she walks straight over to chair number two to the woman in the red cardigan and so says, hi, Mrs. Smith, my name's Betty. I'll be working with Dr. Moffat today and helping him. Are you ready to come down? How's your day been? Wow. So, I and, mean, how hard is that to do? Not hard at all. 
Oh, very easy. Very easy. And it's a point of difference because this is her first visit at our office and she's waiting for somebody to call her name. And they've walked straight over to her and asked her how her day is and identified her without her having to say, yeah, that's me, and poke her hand up. Wow. So you've really systematized this. And, and I do believe you, you understand the ultimate patient experience is everybody needs to understand their ultimate customer experience. Now, we're getting out of, uh, starting to run out of time, but I want to just say you're a master marketer. You, you are amazing. You're a social media maniac. Uh, and that, by the way, is how we met is via social media. Tell us about how social media plays a strategy in building your business. Well, I think, I think primarily, uh, Shep, the, the thing about social media is that it, it brings the backstage to the front. You know, you, you now become a real person, and it's part of that research. And when, you're, when, you're, when your patients are, are, clients are looking for a dentist, you know, they're, they're doing their homework on your website, once they know you, I, I encourage, if my patients wish, you know, that they can be my personal friend as well. And so it's an insight into what sort of a person... I am, you know, and you know, I'm happy to to post pictures of where I travel to, post pictures of my family. You know, my 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 social media uh, page is about the niceties, so it, it encourages me to be to be looking for more nice things to do, and and putting those things out there as well. And you're right, and that's how that's how you and I became good friends because I saw you speak, you know, four or five years ago. And, and, and I said, this is someone I've got to get to know. And so, you know, I started following you on, 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 on social media, following your tweets, following your posts, and, and through that friending and commenting and, 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 and liking the stuff that you were writing. And, and then you were then picking up that, you know, I was on a, on a similar path in my industry. And so through that, we became, you know, good friends and, and, and met, you know, for the first time a year ago in, in your hometown. And then this year earlier, in my hometown, so I think social media is you're 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 laying yourself open there. That right, people I, then I, I think know who you are. You're personalizing your business, and I think that's a really cool idea. And I know some people are probably listening to this, saying, "Well, that's easy because his business is him." And I will argue till the cows come home and moo that it doesn't matter whether you're a uh, why you have a dental practice where you're actually, you know, the dentist is more or less, you know, the star, the product, if you will, or you're selling widgets. You have to figure out a way to connect emotionally with your customers. And you can do that. And uh, a, a Facebook page that's a friendly page allows you to do that. It may be as simple. If you've got a, a manufacturing company, you can start to uh, put some of your colleagues at work, uh, the, the, the employee of the month, and give them a little profile, and all of a sudden, you're opening the door a little bit and letting customers peek in to see who this company is. Uh, not unlike what you've done with your personal Facebook page, where you've allowed people to friend you and watch you uh, as you travel around the world, play golf, meet with friends. I know you love to eat. You take unbelievable pictures of the food. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what's funny is that I have been taking pictures of food, and my wife always criticized me for that. And then we go to dinner with you, and you and I pull out our smartphone cameras at the exact same time and start snapping away at the amazing meal that was served in front of us. <laughs> and she goes, there's somebody else in this world like you. 
Well, I think that's a great insight. You know, personalize your business. Social media allows you to do that. You know, we are just about out of time, and I always like to wrap up with, if you can think of, and I'm going to put you on the spot here because I didn't warn you that I was going to ask this question, but can you think of one thing, if you could leave uh, everybody with one idea that you think would just make a difference, what would that one idea be? Well, I think in terms of customer service, you've got to think like your customer. You've got to look at your business from your customer's point of view. A lot of us in business, you know, we enter our business through a different door to our customer. We we don't travel the journey. In dentistry, it's really easy, you know. Sit in the sit in the chair for a little while and have a look around. What does the what does the customer see? Sit in your client lounge. What does the customer see? Sit on the other side of the desk to your receptionist. What does the customer see? What do they experience? Analyze everything from your your customer's point of view and make sure that you know there there are no broken windows you know a great book uh you know broken windows broken business talks about looking at those things and, and things that we brush over every day that we don't notice but our customers will notice and 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 these will be things that impact positively and negatively depending on what they are that that's the key to it is is to Take a step back. Take a step from above. Look at your business from outside. And I guess in you know in what you do, Shep, and in what I do, you know, that wear that extra pair of eyes for those businesses that sometimes can't see. You know, they can't see the wood for the trees. Right. And, it and takes we a come trained eye. That insight. Yep. Somebody has to be uh, really focused on the customer, and they have to have that mentality and that capacity, which, by the way, it's anybody can do it. They just have to train themselves to do it. That is outstanding advice and a great suggestion for not just the dentist, but for any business. Look at your business through the lens of your customer. And we've heard it before, but I think you gave such great practical examples of how this uh, works. David, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Shep. I hope your listeners have been able to understand my accent, too. And Oh, oh it's very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have something to learn from that. No, but you, you're, 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 your thoughts are outstanding. And I know that at the very beginning, you know, you and I talked, let's make this relevant to all business. And I think we've done a magnificent job of that. Everything that you talked about today, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a professional speaker, author, uh, or customer service consultant, whether you sell widgets, whether you're a law firm, it doesn't matter. All of this information that you shared today is exactly what every business needs to know in order to succeed and take themselves out of the commodity trap and be like any other business. Offer the value. Build the relationship. Give your business a little personality. Uh, connect with them on the customer level. Let Think of your business through the customer's eyes. And I, I can't wait to go get this book, Broken well, Windows, Broken Broken Business. <laughs> You, you've not seen that book? I don't believe I have. Oh, it, 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 it's an absolute, absolutely great book. I, I read it once and then I read it straight again. And, you know, it's, uh, um, I'm just trying to think of the name of the author. Is it Sidney Levine? 
Well, we'll find out. A real simple Amazon out, yeah. search will do that. And yeah, your you- book, How to Build the Dental Practice of Your Dreams Without Killing Yourself in Less Than 60 Days, uh, if you're a dentist or if you're in any type of practice-type business uh, where you're the entrepreneur, you're the star of the show, if you will, as a dentist might be in a dental practice, I think this book would be appropriate for virtually anybody. I, I actually have read through your preview copy, and I'm impressed with it. There's great ideas. Uh, I lo- the one idea that really stood out to me is if you're starting a business, uh, uh, any type of business, you need to define what you want that business to be. And if, example, if you want to work four days a week, don't start working seven days to be able to work four because it's going to be hard to work backwards. I just thought that was a, a magnificent idea and I started thinking about it because I know a lot of my friends we're workaholics to a degree working seven days a week and why can't we scale back to five because we never conditioned ourselves to be a five day a week business or a six day a week business or whatever so this has been an outstanding uh, opportunity to talk with you David thank you again ladies and gentlemen this is why we call it amazing business radio because dr david moffett you are absolutely amazing thanks everybody for listening hope you enjoyed this episode and remember as i always like to say be amazing this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com